0: Thank you for joining us. In today's world, we as grandparents and great-grandparents play major roles in the lives of our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. The question is, what are we doing to influence their lives? Much is said about the financial, health care, and elder care impact upon the world. Yet very little is said about the priority of establishing a solid spiritual legacy to be passed down from generation to generation and leave it to God to take care of the rest. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us. You're in him and he's in you.
1: You're a child of the Most High King. I like the translation that says, throw all, don't leave, not an itsy-bitsy one. Throw all of your burdens, your anxieties, your care. Throw them on him and don't pick them up and take them back. Depression comes as a result of trying to change something that only God can handle. Did you get that? I think that that one just got by you. You need to write that down. Let me just say it again. Depression comes as a result of trying to change something that only God can handle. If you're trying to pick up something that God should be dealing with, you will end up depressed depressed and in a hot mess because you can't handle that. There will be issues that intrude into your life that are bigger than you. And you have absolutely no control over them over what your children do over what your husband or your wife do or what happens in this society and all the things that's happening. At the end of the day, you can't control grown folk. Some of you can't even control yourself. In other words, know when to let go and trust God to resolve those huge issues in your life in his time. Not your time, that's key. Add that to it because sometimes we want want things to hurry up and happen. Not your time, in his time. Number eight, possessing an unforgiving spirit will bring on depression. Possessing an unforgiving spirit will bring on depression. Matthew 6.15 says, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Listen, unforgiveness will put you into a self-made prison. Unforgiveness Will put you in a self made prison, and it's called, it's, you will imprison your own self with unforgiveness. It's not your friend, and there's nothing good that can come of an unforgiving spirit. You're in a prison, you're locked in by choice. By choice. That's the same, that's it. You are in that self made prison by choice. And when you won't forgive, it erodes your health, your migraines, ulcers, blood pressure problems, other ailments. It steals your freedom in Christ. To rid yourself of depression, you must trust God and let go of your bitterness. Elongated bitterness will bring you into depression. Why are you holding on to something that is so destructive to you? When you have been forgiven by God and you forgive others, you say, you don't know what he did to me. I got that rascal through school, educated him, and he left for a little pretty thing and left me with the children. You don't know. I may not know, but God knows. God knows where you are. So so, so release that person who have hurt you, who have offended you. God gives you permission to release that person out of your court. Let them break out of jail so you can be free. You got them in your prison and they're walking around just as free in la-la land and you killing yourself holding it. They don't even know you in prison. They just drinking and clowning and going wherever they're going to go and traveling and hooplaing and cruising. And you say, I, that, that, that rascal, you are, 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 you so you can live in freedom and live your life to the maximum of your potential to the glory of almighty God when you have been forgiven by God and you forgive others God heals your body God heals your soul God heals your spirit and lifts your depression. Number nine, worshiping in God's house is therapeutic and relieves depression. You get what I said? Worshiping in God's house is therapeutic and relieves depression. Psalms 22, 3 says, but you are holy, you who inhabit the praises of Israel, of his people, and we the church also are his people. God inhabits the praise of his people. Worshiping in the midst of God's people envelops you in the worship experience, which is so beneficial for removing depression. Worshiping in God's house with our families, our personal families, is our sacred responsibility before God unless there are extenuating circumstances beyond your control, okay? It's something about coming into God's house that's mysterious. Now, some people have have no choice but to worship online or Facebook or YouTube. I'm not talking to you, so don't you say he's talking to me. Don't you cut that television off. I'm not talking to you. However, the shoe fits way, you know, but I'm not talking to you. I said again, I'm not talking about those of you who have extenuating circumstances beyond your control. You can watch a good game on television or let's just say a basketball game and you can get into it pretty good. But I dare you to go to the Spurs arena and sit there, especially kind of up close uh, go to a Texas A&M game <laughs> and get in the experience. It is something about being in that arena, being in that experience—the emotion, the crowd, the exhilaration, the yelling, the the atmosphere. It it, it encapsulates it 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 just it it covers you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you come in. It it does what television can't do because you know what? What's the difference? You are actually in the experience. You see, you are in the experience. Psalms 151 says, praise the Lord. Look at this. Praise God in his sanctuary. You say, well, I can worship God at home. Yes, you sure can. And you should. <laughs> yeah, you should. If you're not, you're negligent. But it also says, "Praise God in His sanctuary." Don't make, uh, don't let Satan make you think. Well, if I just show for an hour and a half, I'm gonna get the virus. I'm good as dead. Satan will scare you out of your blessing. Now let's use proper protocol. Let's be wise. Let's use good judgment. Let's use common sense. But let's not fall into the devil's trap. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise, look at this. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Psalms 134 2 also says lift up your hands in the sanctuary. In the sanctuary. When the choir was singing that song, oh, they just talking about Jesus. And that girl, that, that, boy, that sister kept saying, Jesus. And she said, I was doing everything I could to keep from running and grabbing that, <laughs> that sister. I mean, I just wanted to walk back and forth and just do my hand. I, but I, I know I got to hold some of this energy back because I got to preach. If I shout too hard, I won't have nothing left to preach with. Yeah. But when is the last time it just got so good to you? <laughs> yeah, I don't hear me. It got so good to all of't you didn't, you didn't say, "Oh, I think I have to raise my hand about now." You don't have to think when like, you look, look, when you consider who God is to you and where He's brought you from, and how He's kept you in spite of yourself, how He wakes you up in the morning, how He keeps you in your right mind and how he's protected you up to now in the midst of COVID, you ought to raise your hand and you ought to be jumping all over this place. <laughs> when God get a hold to you, you can't help yourself. Ain't nobody do you like Jesus. Nobody can do you like the Lord. Do I have a witness in here? That's what worship does. It's so therapeutic to the body, the soul, and the spirit. I should have ended right there, but I'm not through. Number 10, avoid self-isolation and insulation from others and ask the Lord to give you a real, true friend. Let me say this again. Avoid isolation and insulation. I I can't say it enough. From others and ask the Lord to give you a real, true friend, regardless of your age, your popularity, your status. Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, a friend loves at all times. In other words, don't hold stuff against you. They don't keep count and they don't run off their mouth about you behind your back. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Even in adversity, they become more of your friend. Whether what they heard is true or false, they still your friend. They still standing with you. They still have your back. Even when they don't understand, I'm there. A genuine friend will support you and have your back through the best and worst of times. They will let you know when you're too hard on yourself. And they will also let you know when you're beginning to drift in the wrong direction. That's a true friend. A true friend will empathize with you. They will not judge you. And they will maintain confidentiality even should that friendship break up. Sometimes people say things in confidentiality during a friendship and then there's a breakup. And then because there's a breakup, they go and tell your business all over the town because y'all are not friends anymore. That is so low down and evil. They will empathize with you, not judge you, and maintain confidentiality, let me tell you something. Count yourself very blessed if you can honestly say you have one or two genuine, real friends. Only those who have a genuine relationship with you only those who have a genuine relationship with you have earned the right to speak into your life. Now, don't, don't you go up and correct somebody and you don't even know their name. You don't talk to them. You don't pray with them. You don't ask them how they're doing, but you're just full of correction. They say, why you want? They look at you kind of, you know, like you're off. Be mindful as God elevates you in life as God elevates you in life, you really must possess discernment as it relates to your friendships and you will soon learn that it is lonely at the top. You learn that. The higher up you go, the more you get, the more popular you are, the wily your reputation is. It gets lonely at the top because people are jealous. Jealousy is real. People are power hungry. People mean you harm. People want to know all your business. And then misuse it. I was talking to another business person that I was dining with some time ago. And we were talking about, he was talking about running his business. And I was talking about running the church. And we had so many similarities (laughs) So many experiences that ran parallel with each other. And I just looked at him and said, as he was just kind of struggling, I said, you know, it's lonely at the top, isn't it? He said, man, you would know. You would know. You would know. You see, I've been pastoring for 37 years, almost 40 years, my wife and I. and My wife and I have been through it all. We've seen the best of people, the worst of people. We've seen betrayal. We've seen... Bad intentions, bad character. We've seen things said that was not true, and people believe a lie before they believe the truth. We've been through it all, but we are still standing because God is with us. (laughs) Job 19.14 says, in his depression, he says, my relatives have gone away. It's a tough thing when your relatives don't want to be around you. Maybe it's because of your testimony. Maybe because you have standards. I don't know. Or maybe because you're just hard to deal with. That might be a reason, too. <laughs> My relatives, you know, I, I, it was another translation I was reading. It comes to mind right now. I like that translation. I can't remember what it was, but it says that translation said, My relatives won't even come by. My closest friends have forgotten me. They've forgotten me. They move on. Count yourself blessed when you have one or two. Real, genuine, loving, authentic friends who are the same. Pastor Claude Black, that great legendary preacher who've been gone to heaven many years now, he told me as I was sitting in a restaurant with him, he said, Drake, just come to the conclusion that people do not stay in the permanent mode. They are fickle, they are changed. It is not the same anymore. My closest friends have forgotten me, and that brings on depression. Number 11, living in hope will enable us to have victory over depression. Living in hope will enable us to have victory over depression. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalms forty two eleven also says, Why am I discouraged? That's the text why, why, why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. The psalmist had lost his praise in the midst of his emotional depression. And he says, I'm going to restore with the help of God my worship. And honor, I like that, to my Savior and my God. And that's, that, that's, that's critical. You got to know that God is on the throne of your life, that he is your Savior and he is your God and beside him is no one else. My friend, you are destined for depression when you come to a place of hopelessness. You are destined for depression when you come to a place of hopelessness. Beloved, be determined to live in hope and refuse to let anything or anyone steal your hope. Hopelessness destroys your dreams. Hopelessness destroys your vision. Hopelessness destroys your goals and your plans. You must believe that you can fly again like an eagle. Like that song that says, I believe I can fly. You can't fly until you believe. That you can fly. Isaiah 40, 31b says, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. And this is done when you wait on the Lord, allow him to renew your strength and praise God alone. As your God and Savior, clinging to the great God of hope will lift your depression, enables you to live again. I say it again. Clinging to the great God of hope will lift your depression and enable you to live again. In closing, Jesus Himself experienced depression. He said, where is it? Go to that Old Testament of that great prophet of Isaiah. Chapter 53, verses 3 and 4. He is despised and rejected by men. Rejection will depress you. Look what it says. A man of sorrows, that's depression, and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Our Lord experienced depression because of rejection by his siblings, by rejection of religious leaders, by rejection of his own Jewish brethren, even. His own disciples whom he called, taught, and invested in for three years forsook him and fled when he needed them the most. Jesus also experienced death threats, was mocked, called names, spat upon, despised, rejected, betrayed by Judas, even conspired against by religious leaders, and ultimately murdered. Surely the Messiah God in human flesh, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world, experienced depression and was acquainted with grief. The Scripture says he was a man of sorrows. The Scripture says in Isaiah fifty-three three, he is despised and rejected by men, uh, by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Uh, Isaiah fifty-three four a says also. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Carrying our sorrows is a lot of weight on the Lord Jesus Christ. The sorrows of humanity. This is a messianic prophecy spoken by Isaiah 700 years before Messiah came to be sin bearer who was a man stricken by grief. A God man stricken by grief, pain, sadness, depression and sorrow, the agony, the trauma, the anguish and his indescribable sufferings plunged our savior into incomprehensible sadness and sorrow as our divine substitute to save us from our sins. Yet Jesus pressed on to Calvary, suffered and died on the cross, and rose in victory over sin, rose in victory over Satan, rose in victory over depression, rose in victory over death, rose in victory over the grave. Beloved, you are destined for victory over depression if you obey God and remain in his perfect will. And all God's children said, amen. And Father, we thank you for this word. What a strange series. You are showing me things in order to teach me. And this message is as much for me as it is to hear us. Because at the end of the day, I'm subject to the same emotional experiences as anyone under the sound of my voice. None of us in here have it all together. None of us in here have arrived. But thank you, Lord, that you, you're a man of sorrows. You were rejected, full of grief and sadness. And you bore it all because you loved us that much. May those watching by YouTube and Facebook and online or whatever be encouraged as they look to Jesus come to Jesus accept Jesus and live again in Jesus name and all God's children said
0: Amen The Word of God says that wisdom and understanding belong to the old, and He commands us to let our lights shine among our children and grandchildren. Truly, it is time for grandparents to rise and shine for Christ in troubling times. By loving and patiently setting the spiritual tone for our families, we can make a difference and change will come. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety,